the Kane violation. I'm Sam Kane. Welcome to the first post trade deadline episode. Here's two more teams to cross off the championship list. That would be the New Orleans Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, both teams made trades at the deadline. Let's start off with New Orleans. They are 21 and 27, one and a half wins back from the 10th seed which would get them in the play-in tournament. The play-in tournament is like uh, the trophy they give you when they feel bad. Like, remember uh, they did those awards when we were younger that were just so bogus? I actually got one of those. It was the Team Spirit Award on my baseball team. And I'm pretty sure it was because I carried equipment every time we had a game. Now, New Orleans should not be patting themselves on the back if they make the play-in tournament because they just—they really have not had a good year. Zion looks good, but I think the honeymoon period is over. He's on the clock now. He's got to start winning some games. The Van Gundy hire seems like a mistake at this point. He ends up... uh Trading away the most loyal guy towards him on the team, J.J. Redick, must have played at least like four seasons with him back when uh, he coached Orlando with the the Dwight Howard, uh, Rashard Lewis, Hito, Jameer Nelson, all those great players. So Van Gundy, all right, maybe it wasn't Van Gundy, maybe it was ownership, but they dump him to the Mavs. They give uh, away Nicola Melli as well. Uh, and they bring back James Johnson and Wessa Wundu. Wessa Wundu, he um, did not get much playing time on the Mavs. Um, ironically, though, the uh, right after the trade deadline, this was about a week ago, the uh, the Pelicans ended up beating the Mavs, so go figure. Um, Zion just completely dominated whoever the Mavs put on him. Um, they had a they had Boban on him at one point, but he was just Boban was too slow to handle uh, Zion. Zion, of course, has those crazy spin moves. So, so they mainly had Maxi Kleber guarding him in the first half. That's a laugh. So then uh, they go even smaller and put Dorian Finney-Smith on him. No, sir. Now, Zion had an incredible spin move on Finney-Smith towards the end of the game. And um, you know what I've I've really enjoyed? The two-man game between Zion and Nicole Alexander-Walker. He actually, he looks good. You know, so it's great to see that Zion is passing and finding open shooters. That'll be so key for his future game. Uh, so anyways, Lonzo wasn't traded, which I assume means he'll get re-signed, right? Right, right, right. Josh Hart also seems like uh, someone they'd want to keep. I mean, he killed my Celtics. When he was playing, he was hitting 
deep threes. He was hitting threes from uh, um, South Street. Is that the? No, that's Philadelphia. I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, the main street there in New Orleans. I've been there before. I went to Mardi Gras in 2014. I saw some shit. Let me just say that. I did. I, I saw some stuff. I will say that. I would. I'd like to go back there. I, I ate alligator bites, which took over an hour to get because the bar I ordered them at was so packed, and I was just I was so determined to eat alligator. This one place had it, and uh, yeah, my friends were cool. They actually waited around with me, but uh, oh my goodness, Mardi Gras, good time. But anyway, uh, yeah, Josh Hart. Really good, really good. Um, maybe uh, I I would get off. I would try to get off a of Eric Pledsoe's contract next season. He's making eighteen million. Uh, the year after that, uh, the final season of his contract, it's only partially guaranteed for four million. So that's not terrible. But if you're going to extend Hart and Lonzo this summer, then is you definitely need to reduce some salary because, uh, you know, once once you uh, extend them, they're they're not on their rookie contracts anymore. They're gonna make, be making double the money most likely that they made uh, this year. You got uh, James Johnson's fat seventeen million dollar contract. That's over after this season, so that's good. Um, I mean, you could even turn the Bledsoe contract into a slightly smaller contract, that would be a huge help. It's it's interesting how teams will do this sometimes when they have, uh, especially contenders, you know, when they have like a, like a, a big expiring contract, it's just dead salary. They'll just trade it for, uh, you know, for uh, a player making less who's on... Not a great team. I think uh, one example I think of is when the Celtics traded Gerald Wallace. It was his final year. Um, I think he made like $12 million a year. They trade him for David Lee, um, also an expiring contract, but he was making more money. Um, so Celtics basically were just like, yeah, let's get David Lee. He's better than Gerald Wallace. So... Meanwhile, the Warriors, they reduced their salary to try to get under the cap, but they don't need Gerald Wallace. So they take him and trade him to, I think it was the Sixers that they traded him, for Carl Landry. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Carl Landry. Or was it Carl Landry? It was either Carl Landry or Jason Thompson. It might have been Jason Thompson, actually. So they, and Jason Thompson, he was making much less than Joe Wallace. So, you know, it's kind of like you just keep trading the contracts until uh, you get under the this uh, luxury tax, whatever the hell they were trying to do. But anyways, that's what the, the Pelicans could try and do with Eric Bledsoe. He's making $18 million next year. Maybe you trade him for someone making like, uh, I don't know, like eleven million, ten million. What? Uh, I wrote some names down here. 
you could, uh, yeah. What about Bledsoe for Corey Joseph? Now, Corey Joseph makes $12 million next year. He's on an expiring contract. He was recently just traded to the Detroit Pistons. Corey Joseph, kind of on the decline at this point. He's an NBA champion, though. If you remember, he won with the Spurs back in 2014. I don't know. I mean, backup point guard, someone who'd be a professional, lot lot cheaper than uh, than Bledsoe. That could save you some money. Uh, also, the uh, you could dump him to the uh, the um, not the 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 Raptors. The Raptors have Rodney Hood's. $10 million expiring, or it might be $9 million. So, yeah, you could definitely save a bunch of money doing that. I think that's what New Orleans is really going to have to do. You probably need to throw in some second-rounders into these trades, but it also, you know, it allows you to re-sign the guys that are part of your future without, you know, paying crazy money, going over the luxury tax. You're a small-market team. And Yari pissed off uh, whatever agency that J.J. Reddick's with. Yeah, J.J. Reddick, he was complaining about uh, how the New Orleans front office completely screwed him over. You know, he, he wants to go back to the Northeast where his family is. Um, that didn't happen. None, none of the teams in the, the Northeast really, really needed J.J. Reddick. I mean... We've been uh, we've been cool to have uh, him on the Celtics, but not for twelve million bucks. So he ends up going to the Mavs, and he's all mad because he thought he was going to get bought out, be able to go to whatever team he wanted. But you know, it's the way the NBA is. It's a business. Um. So, if it was draft day today, New Orleans, you would be picking at 10, it looks like. Come on, guys. Come on. You gotta get a little lower than that. So, even though you should be shamelessly doing it now, I'm sure Zion will conveniently have to uh, nurse an injury very soon and... uh Maybe even be shut down. Probably the same with Ingram. Boo-hoo. Yeah, come on, guys. Let's get Jackson Hayes some more minutes. James Johnson, hope you're well-conditioned because you're going to be playing 40 minutes a night. Have fun. Guys, let's try and get in the top eight here. Let's try and get a top eight draft pick. It's a deep draft. That, that's what I keep hearing. I mean, they say this like every other year, and you know, most drafts turn out to be the same for the most part. I mean, there's always a few great players in each draft, except for the 2000 draft. That, that one was a freaking joke. Um, but it should be your goal to lose games. Play in tournament. Who cares? It should be the play-out tournament for you guys. Play out. Play West of Wondu out 
on the court for 38 minutes. Catch my drift? And good luck, guys. Good luck. Good luck, New Orleans. Get to the lottery. All right, next team, OKC, playing for the lottery. Extended minutes for Pokashevsky, OKC, lottery. Hey, guys, let's play for the lottery. You guys are winning games. You beat the Raptors last week. What are you doing? What are you, why are you guys winning? You're not supposed to be doing that. Have you not seen your roster? That's the thing sometimes with these rosters. They just, they don't care. They're, they're just like, yeah, none of us are all-stars, but you know what? We're just going to go out there and compete. We're going to win games. OKC's longest tenured player right now, Darius Baisley. Yeah, that's correct. It's Darius Baisley. He was drafted less than two years ago and is the guy who's been on the team the longest. There's no longer any OKC player who played with Westbrook. Not going to lie, this team is interesting. Not really a franchise player in place. I guess the closest is Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but he's not even playing right now. Al Horford was basically told to go home, probably in the most polite way possible. You know, Sam Presti's going to try like hell to acquire something of positive value for Horford. If, if, if Big Al, if Al keeps playing the way he is, then I'd imagine he'd be worth a little something. Overpaid, but he can help a team. Like, uh... You know, would it be crazy next year if the Wizards suddenly want to get off Westbrook's money and trade him back to the team that drafted him? Wizards uh, would probably have to give up a first rounder in that deal. The thing is, Westbrook is actually playing up to his contract in terms of like stats, but his team, yeah, they're not they're not winning games. To uh, to to really justify. <laughs> Westbrook nearly $50 million. That's correct. He's making, uh, I think, in the mid-40s this year. Uh, there's two more years after this. Got highway robbery. Um, but it's weird because everyone on that team seems to like Westbrook. And, you know, Beal keeps saying he's all in on Washington. The front office isn't listening to any... Bradley Beal offers. Uh, meanwhile, us fans are like, why? I mean, I guess it's kind of refreshing to have a star player being positive um, when his team really isn't winning. But um, I don't know. Like, are are they just saying this? Are they are they bullshitting us? Anyways, let, let's stay in OKC. Celtics played them recently. Uh, one guy who the Thunder basically got for taking on Al Horford's contract from Philadelphia, Theo Maladon. He was a 34th pick of the 2020 draft, so definitely a nice get for OKC. Last night he played uh, 
pretty well. He had over 20 points last night. He's a good shooter. Uh, the game against the Celtics, he won four for three or four for ten from three. That's 40 percent. Game uh, isn't too polished yet, but he's signed on a cheap deal for four years. So my guess is that they'll keep him around unless they, uh, you know, really run out of roster spots with all their draft picks. I joke, but this is a legitimate concern. It sounds sexy to have three first-round picks in a draft each year, but when you start crunching the numbers, figuring out all the roster spots, it's like, gee, you know, we aren't even going to be able to sign anyone in free agency. We're going to have one, two, three, maybe four guys who were quote-unquote developing. The problem when... So, the Celtics had this issue where we'd had multiple first-round picks for a few years, and uh, and uh, I think it was 20, 2015, 2016... I think even 2017. Yeah, we just had all these first-round picks, and we just, we didn't have the roster spots, so we end up drafting and stashing. And the fact that our team wasn't really bottoming out, we had good players. These these guys would just be on the end of the roster, saying like, "Oh, we're developing them," but they yeah, sometimes you need to get playing time in order to develop or sometimes you just make bad draft picks like RJ Hunter and Gershon Yabuselli they uh they would uh, get waived pretty quickly RJ Hunter I think he was literally waived right before his sophomore season he was the 28th pick in the 2015 draft he lost his roster spot to James Young that's when you know your NBA career is in trouble when you can't even beat James Young for a roster spot. Yeah, anyways, those guys play in Europe now, so who cares? It's so funny that Darius Miller is just randomly on the Thunder roster. He actually gets minutes here and there. I thought they would have just waived him. Just force themselves to play all the young guys, but who knows? Maybe Miller's agent... Made good with the organization that they'll give him playing time here and there. And try and help him get another job in the league next season. Maybe, maybe a, a training camp spot. Sounds like he doesn't want to hang it up yet. He's not that old. He's like thirty-one. Uh, OKC they lost to Dallas last week. Pokashevsky. He took 17 shots in the game. Now, this is key. If OKC really wants Cade Cunningham next year, let's get Pokashevsky uh, some more shots, you know? You know, let, let, him, let him find himself on the court, you know? Let him, let him get used to the NBA game. This is the time to do it. It's the time to do it. Let them learn from their mistakes. Poka 
Kulishevsky actually completely beat Porzingis on the dribble one play. He just took it right to the basket. It was actually beautiful. And, uh, what happened to Porzingis? Like, there's times where he looks all right, but, God, it's not who, uh, we thought he would be after, uh, his rookie year. It's what injuries do, man. It's tough. Um, what's Pokashevsky's ceiling? You know, he's probably going to be like a, a Kelly Olenek type player. A guy who will have incredible games out of nowhere. Maybe even win a game seven for you in the playoffs. But the next game will shoot zero for 11 on the field. You know what? You know what Pokashevsky is? Pokashevsky... Alright, so in Pokemon, Pokemon Game Boy, like red version, blue version, the early ones, one of my favorite moves uh, was called Metronome. Metronome basically was a move, uh, I think any Pokemon could learn it, and um, it, it would take any any move in the game and at random would pick one and your your Pokemon would do it. So, like, if you guys remember, you only have four attack moves in battles for Pokemon. So Metronome, sometimes you're just like, ah, let's roll the dice here. Maybe we'll get, uh, like, a really good attack, like Hydro Blast or something like that. Or sometimes you would get screwed and get, like screech or something like that and it'd be it'd do nothing to your opponent so it was kind of a mixed bag and i think that's what pokashevsky's gonna be he's gonna be a mixed bag of tricks pokashevsky is the human version of metronome human nba version could be in for something great or maybe not so much what about uh jo is it Joshua Jackson? No, it's not Josh Jackson. Really? Is there another Josh Jackson? Josh Jackson. Who is the guy on OKC? OKC Thunder roster. Justin Jackson, not Josh. Justin Jackson. He is on the final year of his rookie contract. $5 million this year. He's decent. Question is, do the Thunder give him a qualifying offer this summer? Now, if they do, that would be worth $7 million. My prediction is that they will not give him one. But, you know, maybe... If they, I mean, they... They can decline the option and then just sign him for cheap if no team wants him. Seven million seems like a lot. And then, I mean, even if they accept the qualifying offer, you can trade them. But um, I think the, the player needs to approve the trade. That's how it works. Usually doesn't happen that the... Uh, 
a player who accepts a qualifying offer gets traded. The only time I can think of it happening was when Rodney Hood took the qualifying offer for the Cavaliers, and where did they trade? They traded him to um, Portland. And obviously, Rodney Hood didn't want to stay in Cleveland, so he's like, yeah, yeah, trade, trade me to Portland. That's amazing. OKC, yeah. I think you guys will get a top five pick. You'll definitely get a, a top ten at least. And then you got like a million other draft picks. So enjoy. Enjoy watching these these uh, fringe NBA players win you games. Pretty interesting stuff. So yeah, OKC in New Orleans. They're not winning the finals this year. Pelicans, they might have a chance at the play-in tournament. I, the Thunder are not going to be anywhere near the play-in tournament. They will, if they get any closer than they are now, they will literally only play five guys a game for 40 minutes. <laughs> play guys until they're crawling on the floor. They'll play Darius Miller 46 minutes a game. Is that how many minutes are in? I can't do math. Um, yeah, they're not winning. So, we're going to do a couple new things now. First of all, I have this horror movie book. It's long. It's 500 pages. The book is from the late 90s. It's basically like an encyclopedia for horror movies. Gives like a little quick review and, um, you know. It's, you know those books like uh, Leonard Matlin he had a bunch of books like uh, movies you need to see before you die but this one it, it has all kinds of movies it has movies they recommend and it has really bad movies and the the fact that's from 1998 means we don't have all the uh, 2000s the terrible horror movies from uh, this century in it because I, re- I really like watching the older horror movies. That's when they... Even, like, the, the low-budget bad ones were unique and entertaining. I'm a big horror movie buff. So, you know, I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna like, review a horror movie. And I'm gonna start from the first page of this book. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's gonna be... Strictly 20th century horror, horror, sci-fi, fantasy movies. Uh, basically anything that could be played on the sci-fi channel back in the day. Back when it was actually a decent channel and actually played science fiction movies and not freaking wrestling. So, our first film here is from 1974. The title is Abby. A-B-B-Y, it's basically a cash-in on The Exorcist, the grindhouse exploitation version of The Exorcist. That's what I'd call it. And I was worried I was going to have trouble finding this at less than 1,000 votes on IMDb. But in the end, good old YouTube had it, so you guys can watch it there. I mean... If you want, if you want to see this, I, I don't think you will. Anyways, the picture quality of this version on YouTube uh, looked ancient. 
super grainy, frames randomly missing uh, right off the bat. The acting was super cheesy. I really wasn't sure what I was in for, but it didn't look good. Uh, so, uh, there's, there's, uh, there's a woman, basically moves in with, uh, it had to be her, well, it was her mom, and then it was, like, her boyfriend or fiancé, he was a, a reverend, and they move into this house, wait, first I should say that we start off the movie with this, uh, bishop character, who travels well, somewhere out of this country. Um, it might have been Africa, similar to uh, where Father Marin was in uh, The Exorcist, the first Exorcist movie at the beginning, you know, doing like an ar- archaeological dig, kind of similar to this, although it seems like this bishop just kind of walks into a cave. <laughs> and uh, there's just uh, the the... He finds, like, this box. It's not even that hidden. He finds, like, a small evil box and opens it up and a spirit comes out. And we got all these cuts to, uh, you know, we got, like, this this scary actor and makeup and everything. So it's a, it's a little, little creepy, but also cheesy. Um... I will say the uh the um there there are some creepy scenes in this there there really are uh, so anyways the spirit somehow travels to America I don't uh, it's a it's a traveling spirit and it gets possession of the uh woman who moved into this house um and uh the this one scene was very creepy it's where she's in the shower we see her silhouette in the shower and out of nowhere this massive indistinguishable creature just appears behind her this is all silhouette and it just slowly starts to take her over in the shower i guess so the woman becomes possessed. And, you know, the actress did a nice job. I think her name was Carol Speed. Still alive. Still alive. Um, so, very similar to uh, the possessed Reagan McNeil in The Exorcist. This uh, possessed woman has a very foul mouth. You know, she's just trying to have sex with random dudes. Her voice is even distorted. And... The makeup they put on her was actually pretty creepy. Whatever they did to her eyes, she must have been wearing contacts. But it was, it was, uh, it was freaky. No, she's foaming at the mouth. At one point, she vomits on her reverend boyfriend, and they're just like, "Ah, what's wrong with you? Why, why are you doing this?" So they bring her to the hospital. Or no, before that, she kills some lady. Comes to the house. And uh, tries to talk to her, and <laughs> the uh, the possessed woman gives her a heart attack. You know, 
At this point, it's like it's getting disturbing, getting a little entertaining. It's consistently creepy, and I'm wondering, like, oh man, we might have a might have a gem on our hands here. But then they take her to some hospital, and it all goes downhill from there. She escapes the hospital, and uh, <laughs> basically, for the third act of the movie, ends up hanging out in a well-lit bar with a bunch of creepy older dudes who are, like, in their 50s. The, uh, yeah, the possessed demon chooses to go and hang out with a bunch of barflies. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because someone who funded the movie owned this particular bar and they just figure they could save money filming things there, filming the climax there of the movie. Like, the the rest of the movie is basically at this bar, except for a few scenes that they cut to. I don't know. I just think it would have been much creepier if they stayed at this house. But, you know, maybe they only had a couple days of film there. They probably rented it out or some shit. So, meanwhile, the there's a detective... Yeah, there's, there's a detective in this movie, and it's played by Austin Stoker, who was in the original Assault on Precinct 13. Not the Ja Rule one, the good one. And, yeah, eventually the detective meets up with the Reverend, who's back in America, who basically started this whole thing in the first place. He, uh, he brings the, the little demon box with him to the bar. <laughs> Meanwhile, this, this woman's just hitting on these guys. She just, uh, I don't know, super random. So, he confronts her, says a command to her, random objects inside just start blowing up, including a disco ball. There was a disco ball inside this bar. I mean, it was 1974. And, uh, yeah, basically, um, Abby, oh, her, her name is Abby. That That's why, the, the possessed woman's name, Abby. So, you know, saves Abby, she's no longer possessed, and the next scene is her and her reverend boyfriend, and they, uh, they go on an airplane, or they get ready to go on an airplane. I don't even know why they needed this scene at the end. It didn't serve any purpose. They could have just ended the movie at the bar. I'll say that the the vintage-looking flight attendant outfits were pretty stylish. Those were pretty dope. Other than that, you know, who cares? Like, why is this scene in the movie? Now, I'm not 100% sure how to do a rating system here. The, the like, one to four star thing, it's a little vague. You know, thumbs up, thumbs down, never a fan of that. There's just, there's too many average movies out there, and sometimes it's just hard to justify giving a certain movie a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You know, it's, you, you need, you need something in between. So... What I'm going to do is I'm going to do four different ratings. We'll start with the bad ones. Tier 1, the first one, is uh, Hell No. Do not see this movie. Waste of time. Tier 2, the next one, I'd say... Uh, I'd say 
these are all right movies with some cool scenes, but overall just really not worth your time seeking out. But if you're intrigued by the things I mentioned, hey, be my guest. The next tier three would be, um, you know, something I'd recommend. Being like, oh, this is actually pretty good. I like this. I, I, uh, this is a gem. This is this is maybe maybe not quite a gem, but you know, it's it's something you should seek out and watch if you're a horror sci-fi fan. And then tier four. You know this this one. You know it's it's really gotta go above and beyond for me. I do have weird tastes in movies though, so. I mean, I don't know. As I keep doing this, you'll understand my taste and everything. And, uh, you know, take it for what it is if you disagree with me. You know, write write, write something. Email me. Love to talk more about it. Um, but, yeah, Tier 4, I'd say, is uh, a movie that I love... That I'm just like, hell yeah, I just found a gem, uh, and I like it so much that I'm going to add it to my DVD, Blu-ray, VHS collection. You know, there's a lot of movies that never even got DVD releases. There's one movie I really like. It's not a perfect movie, but it, it's called The Keep. It was Michael Mann's first film, I believe. Actually, pretty good. Actually, pretty good movie. Never got a DVD release, though. I think it's on VHS. Might be on Laserdisc. I should get a Laserdisc player. We sold a lot of those in Japan. So, the movie Abbey, 1974. Our movie today. I'm going to give it a tier two. In fact, you know, in honor of it being the first movie... Let's call the tier two the Abbey rating. The Abbey rating. So this is basically a movie with some cool scenes, but it's just inconsistent. And uh, it's really not worth going out of your way to see. But if uh, you're intrigued by some of the things I mentioned in the review, you know, Hey, be my guest. Go ahead. Check it out. Hey, the hell do I know? So another thing we're going to do is uh, gonna play some music. Play my music. Hold on. Let me get this ready. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna play you guys some music, you know. I'm a big hip hop fan. I like sharing hip hop gems with people. If you guys are into old school hip hop, underground hip hop, maybe maybe I'll even have some mainstream newer hip hop on here. Whatever. Yeah, keep listening. But this will be the last segment of the cane violation every every week. I'm going to try and do these on Fridays. I know it's released on Saturday, but I uh, would like to do this on Fridays. 
Mini studio, love to make cash, so kick it like judo, big like a sumo, rhymes like a pro. So you know, like a flute, I blow and go with the flow. flow. So you know I'm ready and set to go with the flow, 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 flow. flow. 